Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a mini-sode of Baka Baka Baka. We normally, in anime podcasts, that talks about anime we just watched. We recently talked about slime. Next week, we're going to talk about more slime. Yes. This week, we're doing our mini-sode where we bring up random topics that we like to talk about, and usually anime-related, and have a discussion about it. Then we turn the conversation over to you to enlighten us on why we were wrong. Or you can tell us how handsome we are. Either way it works. That's to, do, to do this, I need to introduce my co-host. First off, we have the sequence to my hot glue gun. Jeremy, how are you? I I don't know how to interpret that, but that is very interesting. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure some therapist somewhere will have an interpretation <laughs> for me. So are sequins rhinestones? Is that are they the same thing or are they very no. similar? No? Okay. Let's not let's just not <laughs> I just I don't know. <laughs> you just revealed a lot about yourself. No, no, I do. They're little flat, shiny plastic pieces. Um no, no, you need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing great and I've been playing RimWorld um, and it's great and I'm sure you want to hear lots more but we'll probably do it up podcast maybe Jeremy killed a paralyzed woman in his video <laughs> game you know he wants me to play it and I can't <laughs> it was so sad killer. I took care of her for two years waiting yeah. to build like a bionic spine that I could replace her spine with you know you know what the RimWorld community would call her uh, organ story Organ storage. I love it. Or hats in waiting. <laughs> All right, we should move on before the comments get too much. Um, we also have the glitter to my just, it's all over. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> the glitter to your sequence. Um, I've been attempting to catch up to, uh, because the end game's coming out. So I've been going back and Rewatching all the stuff that I had missed, so uh, I missed so much. Just so I, I missed the first uh, Avenger. I missed uh, Civil War. I missed Thor three. Yeah, mm. so it just kind of spurs out. So I'm up. So I tried to go in chronological order. I just finished Black Panther and then Spider Man Homecoming, which I thought both of those movies were pretty good. Like I, I thought it was an interesting. Uh, that they didn't decide to dive back into the origins of Peter Parker's power and just that we accepted, okay, he's, we have Spider-Man, everyone knows him, let's just keep going. Um, and I also liked how young they decided to make him uh, in relation to the other heroes. And Aunt May was fantastic. I, I really liked her performance. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and my name is Troy, and I'm also here. Uh, I, <laughs> so it, it, the latest thing that I've been binging is one of my favorite sitcoms, Community. I, I went back and started rewatching it. And, um, so a couple of things. I didn't, I didn't remember how, just how meta it was, how much it breaks down, not only sitcom tropes, which it does all the time, even tropes that are still existing to today, but just so much of film and, and TV. 
but it's written by Dan Harmon, the creator of Rick and Morty. And you can see a lot of the prototype storytelling of Rick and Morty of things just going into wacky absurdness and then hitting an emotional core and then right back to wacky absurdness. So you don't have to feel the pain for too long. Um, but it, they're also directed by the Russo brothers. So especially in the paintball episodes, you can really see a lot of the early style shooting methods of Avengers Civil War, Avengers or Captain America Winter Soldier. Um, so yeah, so after after Community, those guys went on to now they're making Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, they're they are the captains of the Avenger world. Um, and, and to see a lot of both the Rick and Morty and, and that mixed together, um, it's been super awesome. And I already loved that show, and now I just love it so much more. I didn't know that about them. That's really cool. Yeah, that was the, they, their names are on it almost every single episode. And they directed a lot of the episodes. So the, the, the original paintball, which is just homage to every action movie ever, um, is one, still one of the best TV episodes ever made. Yeah, I love another. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I love the paintball episodes. Those are probably some of my favorites. Topic for another day, but I wonder if Netflix is profiting more on nostalgia based on the deals that they just made with like friends and such instead of new content. Well, I've been watching on Hulu, so I wouldn't know. Oh. <laughs> well, fine. <laughs> I did that deal back in January where Hulu was like $1 a month for a year. And, and just like... How do you say no to that? I, I couldn't. And then they just have so many shows that I just want to... That I've just been binging show after show. It's probably not healthy. Um <laughs> On top of anime. Let, yeah, yeah. Plus watching an anime every two weeks, which is totally healthy and you should totally do it. Absolutely. <laughs> when you're done, come watch this show. That's right. Do, do we demand too much time? Different times. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about our mini sub topic. Last week, during how I got that time I got reincarnated as a slime, the conversation was steering into OP characters. Are they interesting? Are their battles fun to watch? And me and Jeremy vehemently disagree on this. Jason, oh. I, I'm not really sure where you sit. You kind of were busy watching MCU movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're just kind of going to hash that out right now. Um, ra- rather than, than fill our regular episode up with just, just debating that one topic, we decided let's just make a mini set of it and do it here. Um, so... Do you guys just want to do this like debate style? Everyone presents their one argument and everyone presents their one counter argument and then just be done? Or do you want to just have a rapid back and forth where we yell at each other? I think if we establish uh, like a like a, a minute or two minute opening and then we can just kind of start asking each other questions, I think that's more entertaining. Okay, let's go with that. Um, Jason, you want to start us? Uh, no, because I'm not 100 <laughs> conversation was about because i'm really tired I, I, I think i think you should start us troy with um with i think probably best would be this uh, rehash of the criticisms of why you don't think that it's as fulfilling in this as it necessarily is in something like saitama Wonder. right okay so yeah a, a big one this argument first started which was even before we recorded our podcast um we were talking about the battle between ifrit and rimi rue the slime and how I felt there's just no challenge to this battle, and so it wasn't interesting to watch. Rimuru randomly happens to have all the powers he needs to 
to get to defeat him and also the powers he doesn't have happens to be five feet away and he can actually get real easily and then he wins there wasn't much tacticalness to it which you know i you see in overlord more and even then i i complained about overlord's opiness as well um and then when I compare that to Saitama, I, I really see Saitama as proving my point because I, I see the theme of One Punch Man being overpoweredness is boring. Saitama is bored of his powers, and when he goes to fight, the fight's just over. It's anticlimactic. It's supposed to leave you feeling unsatisfied. That's kind of the joke of the entire anime is like, oh, here's this super big battle. It's over. Um, and, and you're not supposed to feel like that was awesome that he punched that guy. <laughs> oh, man, see, that failed for me then because I did <laughs> every time. So that that's why to me Saitama is different. Where it's I think it's fun to watch. Um, oh man, Mob? robot guy. Mob Psycho. Oh, robot guy. Robot guy. Yeah. Um, in, in One Punch Man, when oh yeah, his basically. Uh, Genesis. A sidekick or whatever. Genesis, right? Nemesis? Genesis? Genos. Genos. That's right. Genos. It's Genos. Genosis. Guys, we're recording this very late and we're all very tired. Um, it's <laughs> Genos. Yes, uh, I, I find watching Genos's battles much more fulfilling because they're, they're much more dynamic and fun. Um, and, and one of the best scenes in One Punch Man, I think, is Common Rider, who, you know, comes up to defeat the Sea King and, and you're like, oh my gosh, he can do it. He can overcome. There's so much of a challenge, but he's going to do it. And, and then he doesn't. And then one punch man just comes and doesn't have any challenge. And that's why it's funny. Um, uh, so that's, that to me is my difference. Um, so, so I'll, I'll lay, I'll walk away now. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I think that it is very entertaining and fulfilling to see, uh, power fantasy anime in very various genres. Like I think that it manifests itself in one way or another throughout a variety of different genres. I don't think that you can necessarily classify most anime as to whether they are a power fantasy or are not a power fantasy. Um, it's kind of like how there is a, a big discussion about whether a game is called a roguelike or whether it has roguelike elements or whether it's a roguelite. Or, I know this was a big thing in the gaming community. Um, as examples, I could point to like Fist of the North Star. It's kind of a power fantasy anime. Um, also, Trigun is kind of a power fantasy anime for a very, very long time. Um, you could even say the same thing about, I think, a lot of the first seasons, at least, of many of the uh, um, shonen anime. Those characters are introduced and they have a, a period of time where it's kind of a power fantasy to establish just how much more powerful they are over the baseline characters. Um so I think in a situation like Saitama's where he never leaves that and that is like <laughs> the one punch man is the power fantasy there. Like you're saying there, that is the central core of the joke of the show is let's make fun of that power fantasy concept. Um, but I think in most other anime where it's present, it's not necessarily the one note that the anime hits. Um, and so when I do see it, um, it doesn't bother me too much if it's manifesting in a bit more of a, of a higher percentage, as long as the story will eventually go somewhere else, because I see it as more of a way to establish what that character is powerful against. They are really powerful against like this is a no threat area for them. 
but that doesn't mean that in every way they're untouchable the way Saitama is. Uh, and so I, I don't see it as being something that is quite as, as limited and restricted in, in what it's trying to do. I think it's open to a lot more development in other anime. Um, I think it comes down to the minutia of the storytelling and how the storytellers were able to develop the character. So for instance, the uh, slime versus Ifrit, um, that scene didn't bother me nearly as much. And for a couple of reasons, because like, so for instance, you said he happens to have these powers randomly. I don't think any of his powers were random. Um, I think they were all de by storytellers deliberate for what he was supposed to get. Uh, and him being consumed by the fire and the whole, like, I'm going to die thing. That was meant for comedy because they assumed that the audience remembered that mm. he had fire resistance. This this was all a joke. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, we all knew he was going to win. I think, and I think I pointed this out in the anime or the, the main podcast is that he, his challenge wasn't for him. His the challenge was keeping his companions alive, making sure that the people of the village were safe, because mm -hmm. um, that's where his real failure would have been. Because there, there was no way if it was going to defeat him. We we walked into that battle knowing that, um, or at least I did. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where it comes. Like, and then again with Saitama, the minutias or the, you know the. It's in the minutia. It's like we know there's nothing on this planet that can hurt him, which is what made Boros semi-interesting for the first, you know, little bit, right? Uh, <laughs> Just a little. He wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't from the planet, right. but the th you know, it, it's established that he's this overpowered character. I think where Overlord falls is they attempt to keep making him seem vulnerable in certain situations. And then it's just thrown to the side and it, as if it just doesn't matter. Um, for instance, you know, he shows, oh, I can be hurt with this particular blade. So theoretically you can hurt me or, um, you know, when, it, when he first gets to the world, he has no idea what power levels there are. So, you know, someone might be able to overcome him. Um, I think where it gets interesting is the anti-Superman. Like, what does he do with these powers? Um, and so, like, for instance, uh, in that ending battle with the, the hero, um, he, you know, we think that he wants him on his team. And he's also made that very clear. I like you. He's saved his life before. Is he really going to kill him? And that's that's what made that particular fight interesting, even though it was short. And we knew that he was overpowered. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think back of like what the early, early fights were in the first season of Overlord. Uh, so for instance, the one with the angel, um, that that first time he took, you know, damage, he's like, oh, this is what pain feels like. It's like, yeah. we knew that this was a special item that they summoned these the angels with. And we knew that these angels were super powerful, you know, in relative terms to this world. And that they were doing this big power-up attack. And, you know, at that point, we didn't know what the effect would be. But then we get the, oh, it's, I'm regenerating faster than the damage you're doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some, something I'm noticing in, in both your examples, 
Um, and I want to point out that I didn't have a problem with Grimmer's battle with the dire wolves, which is also just a snap his fingers and he wins. Mm. Um, that it's, I do, I agree with Jeremy actually in that you need to show a powerful character what scale we're dealing with. You need to show how powerful he is. Um, I think, uh, the, the reference, uh, in Overlord you just made was in episode three. Um, and when Rimuru defeats the Tempest or the Dire Wolves, episode two or three, probably three, I think. And that, that's in, in Shonen, you, when they're, when they're overpowered at first, it's usually the first two episodes. They beat some common enemy and they're like, Oh, this guy is special. And then in Shonen, you might have a moment of overpowered. You might have Goku going Super Saiyan. Um, but that's, after the fight starts, like he, he had to overcome a challenge and, and escalate to a point of powerness, which I think is a little bit different than I'm going into this fight pretty much already declared the winner, but I'm going to go through the motions and win it anyway. My big issue with the Rimuru Ifrit fight is it's episode seven and it's at the end of a really big arc. We get that Shizu story and I, I just wanted to see a challenge hmm. and without that, I wanted to see some tactics. I wanted to see something. And, and you could argue that the ice blast is, but just the fact that she was there ready with the ice <laughs> magic. Uh, I, I think that might be one of my big differences between your example. Cause, cause everything else you guys are listening. I'm like, yeah, yeah I was, I was, I was fine with mm-hmm. uh, overlord walking up to that giant angel and just winning. I agree. I knew he was going to win and it showed that he's just on a different level than all these characters. I also think overlord does something special where, by turning him into a villain, he now is the challenge to overcome rather than he needs to find a challenge to overcome. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, so specifically with your example, though, I think one thing to keep in mind with how slow the storytelling is going, even though the arcs are kind of flying by at record pace, mm-hmm. um, is in relation. So if you were, you know, take that 12, take that 25 and shrink it down to 12, we are by episode eight, really only on like episode four, right? That would be, and then so maybe my, my real complaint is just that the uh, is of the pacing of the anime. That if okay. we're still if we're still having power deciding establishment, establishment fights, yeah, mm-hmm. where, where that needs to have been taken care of already, um, and, and maybe it is just a really slow storytelling. Um, the op of that time I got reincarnated as the slime has him battling a character we haven't even met yet in the story. And, and it, I, I love watching that OP for yeah. that fight because they see, they seem toe to toe. You know, he's pulling out different moves. He's, he's transforming into different shapes to win. I'm super, I, that that's what I'm wanting. And so because at episode seven, I'm not getting that. Maybe I'm just giving myself false expectations and I could definitely see that. Yeah. I, I feel like Orc Lord is going to be the first battle that you're wanting. Yeah, I hope so. Actually, I, I really hope so. Um, in the OP, it's also funny to note that <laughs> one of the battles that the OP takes note of is when he's just walking along and a snake shows up with big teeth and he just turns into a slime, bounces up in the air, shoots down a water slice thing, <laughs> slices its head off and kind of hits the ground in his human form again and just kind of walks off with a bounce in his step like, yep, that don't matter. And that kind of, to me, also says this show is going to make sure it always has some of that. So there will always be this sense of he is overpowered. Don't forget he's overpowered, 
But I, like you say, I do think that he's going to have some of those toe to toe battles. When it comes to, um, I wanted to mention one thing when it comes to like having the, um, resources or the situation show up that just facilitates getting over a challenge without any real earnest effort on the part of the hero. Um, that actually reminds me a lot of any situation where you have like an episodic anime, <laughs> right? Every single one of them does that. And that's actually something that I don't like in most episodic anime. But the more I think about it, most anime actually kind of do that. It's, it's like with, with, uh, Trigun, Vash the Stampede, right? There's situations early on where you're like, oh man, how's he going to get through this? And then you're like, oh no, he's got another gun. You know, or, oh, no, wait, that gun does something else, <laughs> you right. know, or, oh, no, this guy showed up and this guy's got some guns that'll help him. And and the same thing happens with other characters. So I don't know if I if I can have the same. I don't know if I agree with you on the idea that like the ice mage's presence actually is a bad thing to facilitate his getting through that without any real challenge. Like he's able to just absorb that ice crystal, turn it into his own ability, because to me, that kind of seems like any other anime where you have a supporting character or group of characters that just happened by their presence, by their technical awareness or their cunning or their abilities to help the hero get through something that maybe by themselves they couldn't have. Yeah. That, that alone isn't so much a big deal. It's, it's, it's just in with combination of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Dragon's actually a really good example of what, uh, what Jason was talking about, about the, that um, having your, the, the stakes is protecting someone. Cause that's why I think Trigon has to go through a lot of fascist stampede, even though he's more powerful than every character he meets until the very end. He also has to keep everyone alive. That is his goal. And it gets harder and harder as it goes on in the beginning. He's just like, got it. You know, yep. still having fun. And then by the end, he's, you know, not having such a good time with it. Um, in the slime, the adventurers are gone. He gets them out halfway through and they kind of get caught in, in the explosion of his own making. Um, and, and the village, we see him just say a line, like get them out of here. So they're not at stake for the entire fight from the very beginning of the fight. They're already safe. He, he said, get them to safety. And then the village catches on fire. And we we already know no goblins are hurt in this battle at all. Um, and, and also at the end of the battle, there are no, repercussions and like none of those warriors that actually accidentally got hurt a little bit had any lasting damage no goblins died mm-hmm. um so it's hard for me to believe that that actually was a challenge for him when the anime doesn't really go out of its way to establish it as this this was the hard part for him even though he can easily defeat ifrit it was hard because there's a goblin village right behind him i don't actually think it was the goblin village as much because i do think that they got evacuated like you say I think the evacuation process was taking place during the fight off screen. And yeah, they didn't show it. But um, I do want to to clarify that it was not actually anything he did that caused that explosion. Um, it, Jason mentioned this in the show, too. It was actually the the um, salamander used a self-destruct attack because he was running towards it. And he's like, I'm going to get the last one now. And then the salamander like flies down, lands in front of them, starts to swell and then blows itself up. As I thought he shot it, and then it self-destructed. It self-destructed mm-hmm. on its own? On its own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it was like it was the one thing he... Yeah, exactly. It was the one thing he could not get to in time, and then those people suffered because he failed. Um, so. Do you think there should have been like a repercussion in the story for that, though? I think his 
omnipresent health potions neutralize any kind of repercussion. Like as long as somebody's alive, he can bring them back. I think it would have been out of character for the feel of the anime if one or all of them had died. Um, I think if it was a harder or, or more serious anime, I would have been disappointed if not if at least one of them died. The beginning of the next episode has a child and a puppy burned to death in front of us. But not but we don't know them. Yeah, those are those are this other character's history though. It's like that's a different genre of But anime. he's saying he's saying tone of the story wouldn't fit if a character died here where I'm saying in the very next episode they're like, Hey, here's a character dying horribly. <laughs> Yeah, but it was like it was a flashback of a character who went through a horrible thing. It was kind of like, you know how in, you mentioned when I talked about Aquaman in the intro before you were like, oh, man, it shifts into different genres is what you've heard. I, I kind of view the flashback as shifting into this weird genre where like the first time we see that character is tragic. Every moment we get in her backstory is tragic. And then the time that we have with her is filled with mystery and, and enigma and then tragedy. And so, like, everything around her kind of has this sense of being a different flavor of anime. And so her flashback, it makes sense why you would have tragedy in it. That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, and there's nothing that I disagree with there. My point was just being, I find it hard to take, hard to say you you can't kill characters in this anime when we're clearly willing to make a character to make a tragic backstory and kill them. So we clearly are willing to cross that line but but we're also kind of getting away from the opness I, I was actually wondering jason what you thought of one punch man and his opness and how you saw it. it is did you find it satisfying fun to watch or do you see it as the joke is that it's not satisfying and fun to watch the build-up to the punch is always satisfying and actually with every fight i looked forward to that moment hmm. um I actually enjoyed One Punch Man's story more than any of the side characters, even though my next favorite down from that list is Bicycle Guy and then uh, uh, Genos. Um, I I do appreciate their fights, but that's not why I'm watching it. Like I, I'm watching it for the like uh, the Lion King is one of my favorite fights in the whole thing because. You've got this just egotistical, I'm going to win, and it's not even a challenge. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and that's just, it's fantastic. And, and I think it's because it's a comedy, right? Mm. Uh, I think if it wasn't a comedy, I probably would be bored. Yeah, I think my favorite second favorite character because Saitama's my favorite. My second favorite character is the ninja that's always getting hit in the balls and stuff. I love that guy. To to be clear, it's it's not that I don't love Saitama or and I don't love watching the punch for the joke. I just I, I really see the message of One Punch Man that overpowered characters are boring. That's why this overpowered character is bored. I find him boring. I find him entertaining and funny. As like message of the anime, but like I, I have a hard time picking up on like the the more subtle messages that anime tell. I or any movies in general, really. <laughs> I, I'm I'm more of like um, I I understand when the show is telling me stories about like how the world works or maybe what these characters have as their motivations and stuff. But 
Yeah, I'm, I've never been good at, at those things. So for me, that's almost like something that I have to wrap my head around and try to figure out how you got that interpretation or how other people got it. And it does make sense as I do that, but it's never where my mind goes first. Mm. It, it, it's just from, from what I see of that, the, the creator's works with, with Mob Psycho too, where he's like, hey, here's a kid who's super powered and that literally does not help him in any way that's important to him. <laughs> and if anything, it's been a burden. The power is not anything he wants. He just wants to know how to talk to girls and make friends. And, mm-hmm. and that's what that story is saying. Whereas this one is saying like a character like Goku, how is he not bored out of his mind? How is this interesting? And then like, here's a super interesting fight. And then he comes along and it's just over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which, Again, I love watching. I love the moment he comes up and punches him because of the anticlimacticness of it. And that that's what's funny. Um, so I don't know. I think I like to see the overpowered character. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason is, is like when I think back to One Punch Man, one of my absolute favorite scenes in the entire thing is his spar with Genesis or Genos. And that last moment where he's like, I told you to take this serious. Why aren't you taking this serious? And then he does the death punch and he stops within inches of his nose. But because he didn't hit him, all that kinetic energy literally blew a mountain away. Like that is just fantastic visually and storytelling wise because the entire fight, you know, Genos is trying to keep up with him, trying to keep up with him, just and he feels like he's just he's almost there. He's like, Oh, I can almost get him. And then all of a sudden, he's like, when he asks him to be serious, all of a sudden that gap just widens. And uh, I don't know, that realization from Genos was uh, well, just storytelling gold for me. (laughs) I would say, with maybe the exception of the Boros fight, the best fight in One Punch Man, though, is the dream fight with the mole men. Um, because that's a challenge for him, and that's much more interesting to watch. Uh, to to close this, I have one more question for you guys, though. Do you want to? Would you want to be One Punch Man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's depressed. I wouldn't I, be. I'm already depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I guess I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, so we are currently watching uh, the second half of. That time I got reincarnated as a slime. We will be talking about that next week and seeing if we enjoyed it more or less than the first half of the season. Um, if you have comments on OP heroes, we would love to hear it, uh, especially your thoughts on the, the specific fights that we brought up, because obviously that was a major issue in, in our discussion. <laughs> uh, you can leave our, a comment on our Twitter at Baka Podcast. You can leave a comment on our email, the club at gmail.com, or you can leave a comment wherever you found this podcast and it will get back to us. Thank you so much for all your comments. They've been great. So lately um, we really appreciate it. And don't forget to in subscribe to the podcast in every way, single possible. Smash that like button. <laughs> Smash it. Down, bitch. <laughs> oh, and don't forget about uh, on Mondays, Baka breakdown and, Jason's new show. It's been going great, and we really, really enjoy bringing that to you guys. Okay, I think we're ready to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Sayonara.